Welcome to AIS at UA. My name is Matthew Sakaya-Stewa-Gilbert, and today I have the honor of speaking with Dr. Llewellyn White of the Mohawk Nation at Akwesasne in New York, an author of a book entitled Free to be Mohawk, uh, Indian Education uh, at the Akwesasne Freedom School. Dr. White is currently an associate professor of First Peoples Studies in the School of Community and Public Affairs at Concordia University in Montreal. Canada. Llewellyn, it's great to have this opportunity to speak with you. You too, Matt. Thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me. Absolutely. No, it's great. You know, we were, we were talking a little bit before I, I hit record, and uh, it's been a number of years uh, since the last time we had a, had a conversation. So it's uh, good to be reconnected uh, in this virtual studio um, here for uh, AIS at UA. Yeah, absolutely. So I, so I know, uh, you know, uh, I, I've known you for a, a number of years, and, um, and I had first uh, become familiar with you and your work uh, when I was working at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign, heading their postdoctoral fellowship program uh, in the AIS program. And uh, I remember reading your, your letter of, uh, of uh, application and your, and your CV and some of the materials that you had sent. And just really, really excited about uh, the kind of work uh, that you do uh, as a scholar. And of course, uh, as I was reading through those materials, I saw uh, uh, very clearly on your CV and your letter of application uh, that you were currently wrapping up your studies uh, in American Indian Studies as a PhD student here at the at the U of A, and so I was thrilled to see uh, you coming out of this uh, program. I guess I just wanted to get us started by by talking about uh, maybe you could tell our our viewers and also our listeners who will be listening uh, to this uh, through a podcast um, just about uh, maybe. Uh, introduction of, of who you are and how you ended up uh, in the AIS uh, PhD program at the U of A. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> Long story, I guess. Um, I'll try to keep it concise as much as, as, much as I can. Um, but I, I grew up in central New York and part of our traditional homelands of the Mohawk Valley. And um, my father was um, Ganyangahaga, was Mohawk, and my mother was non-native. And I had always had a very close connection, though, with my family, Nogwazasne, which is, um, uh, crosses the international border of what is now known as Canada. And um, so I'd always had a close connection, connection there. Um, but as you know, a lot of in indigenous peoples, especially we grew up away from our communities, I had a lot of identity issues to sort through. Um, but I eventually I moved to the Southwest and I was living in Colorado. And um, well, just back up slightly, I did, my, I did my undergraduate and then I did a master's degree in, in psychology. And then uh, I went off to teach environmental education in the woods of Pennsylvania. Because <laughs> I, was, I wasn't sure that that was the field for me, uh, psych psychology. And, um, and then I eventually moved to Colorado and I lived in the Southwest for a total of 15 years. But it was when I was in Colorado that I took a class at the University of Boulder. Uh, I was in Denver and um, the class was on American Indian women with Mary Churchill, at the, uh, was her name. Um, 
and it was very, very eye-opening. And at that time, I guess I was in my later 20s, and I really didn't know anything about our history, my own history, really, or the um, history of in, in Indigenous peoples in the U.S. or anywhere. So it was a real eye-opener, and I went through this process, which I think a lot of students go through, Indigenous students, and I have this the same kind of encounters with students that I teach now they go through this process where their eyes are suddenly opening to the truth or to, to indigenous perspectives of of history genocide um, Indian residential schools and boarding schools in the in the, in the US um, massacres all these really horrific things um, that's really really difficult to to comprehend and they go through you know, this process of, of trauma, really. And, and I see that with, with students now. And, and what I tell them now, and, and what I sort of did with my, that journey, is to, um, to not let yourself stay in a place of anger because I went through that. I mean, it was traumatic and I was depressed for a while learning about all these things. And then I was really, really angry. And I know a lot of our students stay stuck in that place of anger. So what happened was I, you know, I went through that course and I wanted to keep pursuing it. So I eventually made my way to Tucson after a two year stop in Northern New Mexico. <laughs> and, um, and, I, and I wanted to, do go back to to school to to graduate school and i knew of ais at the time there was only university of arizona or uc davis and i, I went to both places to to visit and applied and was accepted but um you know i decided to go to u of a um, in part because of the faculty that were there at the time so at the time was um mary joe to kind of fox who's still there chinina Lamoima, who is not there anymore, but she was my advisor, she's my mentor, and since become a friend and colleague, we've stayed in touch over the years, and um, Lucy Tapahonso, and Ophelia Zapeta, who I think is still there, but there were so many Native um, faculty is to, to serve as mentors and role models, and that was really, really important to me, so um, but yeah, I, I started the program a little bit naively, actually. I had some ideas about, I had some expectations, I guess, <laughs> what I thought it might be like, but it turned out to be very different, but in a, in a good way. I mean, there were, um, I mean, it was pretty amazing to me to, like I said, be around so many Native um, faculty and, and, and other Native students. And what I was learning was, I mean, I was really just a sponge and was just trying to take it all in and, and, um, but, um, but it was difficult. It was difficult. I mean, it wasn't an, an easy process. I mean, the work itself, yes, you were in graduate school. I um, started the PhD program 2001 and um, it took me a long time to finish uh, for lots of different reasons, but, um, yeah, it was difficult. The, the work itself, um, you know, you got to buckle down and, and, and really focus. And, and it wasn't so much the work that I found difficult. Um, 
but it was being away from home, being, a, I mean, I had already lived in the Southwest for a while, but it was the desert, which is entirely different. Um, you know, it was really fun and I have a sense of adventure and exploration. I've always had this free spirited nature. And so it was, it was really great for a while, but I had lived there for nine years. And after a while, I really missed the rain and trees and green. And, um, so I got a little homesick with that, but it was, um, you know, there were, there were lots of native and non-native students in the master's program at that time and the PhD program at the time and at varying um, places in terms of our education and in terms of our, our identities as well. And so there were some really interesting dynamics at some points throughout the, the program that were really difficult to, to deal with. And in retrospect, I can see it, it's really helped me though, to feel, um, well, to strive more for my own sense of grounding within my own identity. Because at the time, I felt very shaky. I was on a very shaky foundation in terms of my cultural identity. And, um, you know, and I think that, you know, a lot of students do and new faculty and even myself still, sometimes we have that imposter syndrome where we're not in the right place. Everyone else belongs here, but I don't. And I went through that. Um, also because I didn't really have much background in native studies, only that one course that I took. And, um, but I, but I worked with in indigenous communities prior to when I was in Colorado for a few years and native youth programs. And, and that was really, um, I really drew upon those experiences in, in working right in um, Native communities. Um, but yeah, it was, sometimes it was, it, was, um, it was tricky to navigate through and not kind of get pulled into places of negativity or, or comparison or, um, you know, there was, there was some um, difficult, difficult moments um, that sort of made me with, withdraw with that and, you know, all of, all surrounding identity. And, but I recall in Lucy Tapahonso's class, Poetics and Politics, which was a fantastic, fantastic course that she taught. Um, I recall reading, reading some works by Native authors. Um, um, I think it was James Welsh. Um, and, and again, it was being confronted with, with these, issues but it was really about identity and it was it's very very helpful to kind of work through that in that course um and i you know i think other students as well other other native students were relating to to some of those difficulties and um you know because everybody was away from home away from our communities and and um you know everybody's coming from different geographic locations different cultural backgrounds and um um, but I, but I kind of found some solace in, in, in reading some of those texts and with, uh, Lucy's class. And so that was really very helpful. And, um, yeah. And, and I just, you know, kept, kept going. I mean, there were times when I thought I am, I, I don't think I'm going to make it. I don't think I'm going to make it because I mean, I went through my coursework pretty quickly and then my comprehensive exams uh, all rolled along. 
according to plan, according to the timeline. Um, but, but then as I started to do my um, field work for my dissertation, you know, I had some personal issues come up. My um, father got really sick and, and so I had to be, you know, back and forth, you know, taking care of him. And, and then before I graduated in 2009, I lost my mother and my father in 2007, 2008. And so that was quite devastating. Um, but I had a lot of support there as well. And that's something that really um, sticks with me that I remember and appreciate and don't know that I would get that anywhere else in any other kind of program. Because there was, there was an understanding that your family comes first. And so I was able to take time away and put everything on hold and be back um, in New York for you know, several months at a time. And, um, you know, Shanina was just uh, amazing at helping me through that, that period. So what happened is what was really interesting to me is that I was doing my research on education. I was focusing on the Ogosesne Freedom School, which is Mohawk language, cultural immersion, ele uh, elementary school. And so that was the focus of, of my work. And then it turned into something about um, much more than just language. So I was looking at all these aspects of identity, you know, Mohawk identity. And, but I was sort of living that at the same time. So it was, it was a really, it was a, it was a really perfect moment for me to just sort of navigate through that and embody like what I was researching myself and, and connect those dots and really look to my own culture for guidance and, and healing. And, um, and what I used to do a lot was journal. So when my um, parents had passed away, I was doing a lot of journaling and um, and that actually made its way into my dissertation and then eventually the book that was published in 2015. So, you know, and I hope that, you know, when that was published, one of the, because there's a lot of personal, I mean, it's not my, just my story, but there are some sprinkling of my own personal journey through, throughout, because I think it's really important, especially, you know, for indigenous peoples to find that place in our hearts that can help us to navigate through and tell our truth. So I couldn't not write what I was writing without incorporating what I was experiencing, particularly when my father passed away and how that impacted my identity. And, and, um, and so I, you know, I, I explored that and, and wrote about that. And um, So you, you had, um... I mean, you've been talking uh, a bit about the topic of identity and, you know, that's, as you know, that's a, that's an extremely important topic and, and in Indian country and, and Native American studies in, in general in this particular field of study, you know, we at the University of uh, Arizona, you know, some of our PhD students, uh, they grew up uh, their entire lives on Indian reservations, right? And their father is Native and their mother is Native. They are also enrolled members of, of their tribe, and they come to, uh, to come to the university, and you know this is they know who they are, um, and um, they're they're 
their journey looks a lot different, I think, than a lot of other people and uh, that come to the PhD program. And I even, you know, with me at UC Riverside, uh, my father is, is Hopi. Um, and he's, he's uh, uh, so he's the, you know, uh, that, that indigenous side of me, right, comes from my father. My mother is Hispanic. I mean, she has uh, Greek ancestry. She has Spanish ancestry. Um, and I remember, too, going through that. And it's a, it's a journey. And, and I think it's a, I think it's a lifelong journey, right? It just doesn't happen in school or graduate school, but it, it, it carries on throughout, throughout life. And, and how we negotiate that and how we navigate that, I think, is, uh, is, uh, is so, so important. I've always told people, you know, in Native studies, there's room. There are room for people who are enrolled uh, there are with a particular tribe, but there's also room for people who... Uh, who describe themselves as being of ancestry to to a certain indigenous people group, unenrolled. But I think the most important thing is is that we're honest with each other uh, and that we have transparency, right? Yeah, for sure. And I would also add to that compassion, compassion for each other, because you know even as we're describing some PhD students, you know, grew up on the res, very strongly intact in, in culture, language, and connection to family. But even within that, I mean, there's still so much of, of history of colonization and, and, and so much change that happened in communities over the generations. And you know, people have been impacted in so many different ways. Um, but I think we really need to have some understanding of how complex these things can be and that um, having any kind of judgment or, or shaming towards an, another person because they're this or they're that or they're not enough or they're not enrolled and you know all of these kinds of micro uh, lateral violence microaggression that happens in academia in um, communities and and you know it's really something that you know has um, it, it's a divide and conquer tactic it's it's something that's you know, really very toxic. And so, you know, I was, there, there was some of that happening when I was at AIS. And, and now at the point where I'm at now, it's, it's, um, you know, cause I've, I've gone through that myself, judging other people who are this or that. And, but really coming to a place of constantly checking in with myself that is this compassionate towards some, someone and, and, and lose the judgment and how do we connect with other human beings as human beings right so, right so that's kind of where i've come around with even our cultural teachings is really trying to expand upon especially now with what's happening in the world of you know with this pandemic and and, and all of this you know division and black lives matter and, and there's just so much toxicity out there that i really work hard on trying to keep myself centered and grounded and I've, you know, for the past, um, I mean, well, all my life, I've always had this place within me that's been sort of uh, intuitive kind of guidance system that I've, you know, have. And, but, you know, often losing sight of that, but trying to really come back to that place and let my heart guide me. And, um, yeah, and I, and I think that's available to everyone, native, non-native. That, right. that those are the places where we need to connect with each other as human beings. Yeah, I like the idea of of uh, adding in their compassion, 
right? Compassion and, and understanding with people, realizing that that uh, we're all human beings, um, and in, and in, you know, we're we're related uh, in that way, right? And to a larger extent, and realizing too that you know we have our own histories and our own colonial histories, and you know the the, the things that have happened or 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 the the events that our own communities have gone through uh, throughout time that have made this identity of, uh, or made this topic of identity uh, very complicated um, in, in a lot of respects. You had mentioned earlier in our conversation, I'd like to go back to that, uh, this, uh, that uh, you were studying uh, about Native uh, history and culture literature at the University of Colorado, and you were learning uh, a number of, of things. And some of this was some, you know, tragic things or events that had happened uh, within our own communities. And you, you, you mentioned, you said something that I, I think really stuck out to me is that you didn't want to stay in a place of anger, right? Um, you didn't want to stay in a place of anger. You wanted to, to, to get beyond that, to make something good of, of maybe what you, were, what you were learning. And I'm wondering if you could, could talk a little bit about that, because I, I think that, you know, I would imagine that that was your mentality also when you went to the University of Arizona, but then beyond, um, after you left the University of Arizona and you started your career and, and went to the University of Illinois, uh, which was where we were able to work together, but then also uh, at the institution that you're, that you're at now. I, I would imagine just that mentality has served you very well uh, in, your, in your career. Yeah, and it's something that I, that I, you know, I tell that story to my students about being my, my first class in Native Studies, because for many of the students that I'm teaching, it is their first class in, in Native Studies. And um, so I, I really just felt that I had to use my education as a tool and, and use it to my advantage, you know, use the colonial institution to, my, to, the, to the best advantage that I could and try to um, learn as much as I could. I, I could not only, uh, you know, just about these, these historical time uh, periods, but also um, reading Native perspectives and, and hearing, uh, you know, Native perspectives on, on various issues and, um, and, and learning to think critically. That was something that I think was really instilled in me through AIS was um, thinking critically and analyzing situations. And, and again, it's looking deeper. So that's really kind of where I try to have my students um, focus. So we're, I, I teach a lot now about Indian residential schools, um, which is what they're called here in Canada, same as Indian boarding schools in, in the US. And I know you've done work on Sherman, and um, I've done a lot of work with Carlisle the last several years, but, you know, since the TRC here in Canada, the Truth and Reconciliation um, Commission was established, and the big apology that happened in 2008 or 2009 by Harper, Prime Minister Harper, um, there's been a lot of attention, but a lot of that, uh, you know, there's been controversy throughout as well, but survivors had an opportunity to tell their stories, and so then there's the, there's media latching on to all of you know these the horror stories and and not to diminish them in any way whatsoever. But students, that's what they want to hear. And and I was like, no, we need to go deeper than this. We need to go deeper than this because this is 
this is a, it is traumatic and it's triggering. And so what happens is students are, are um, going through these cycles of feeling angry and feeling depressed and, and guilt. And, um, and then I try to take them through that and say, okay, now we need to look deeper. We need to critically analyze the policies, the practices, the experiences are, are one aspect. And, and um, we need to, we need to look at this larger picture of colonialism across the globe, right? In US and Canada and, and um, Australia and what's happening today in India, for example, there are factory schools in India that are essentially doing the same thing uh, with indigenous children, taking them away from home, away from their cultures, away from their communities um, to, to su support the capitalistic system and, um, so I just try to try to open their help them open their eyes so that they see this this bigger picture and that helps just kind of find a way to get get through those cycles of, of anger and, and depression and then be able to have some sense of agency that oh I can make a difference now I have this knowledge and I and I can understand how to think about this this critically and you know move through that and that's you know really what I try to to do myself but um yeah i mean these um I, th I think you know part of our jobs as i'm sure you know is as um indigenous faculty is to support our students and we do a lot of emotional labor as well we have a, a lot of students uh, indigenous and non-indigenous students who some are again are hearing these things for the very first time and um and they get also what i tell them is they, they get rattled they get upset and they get angry and I tell them it's okay. It's okay to feel that way. I don't tell them, Oh, it's okay. Don't feel that way. Or it's okay. Don't feel guilty. Don't I say, sit with it for a while. Just don't stay in it. So, and, and, and I, and I think about this, this book that was written here by Paulette Regan, it's called unsettling the settler within. And and it was it was her um, analysis of the Truth Reconciliation Commission, and so I tell these students like you're going to feel unsettled. It's okay, feel unsettled, sit with that for a while. How does that feel? And that's how you have to process it, and that's how you get out of it. You can't just you know stay in it and you know or try to push it away, and and then use use what you're learning as a as a tool. So one of the one of the questions that that uh, are I mean certainly the the questions that our students have right and I would imagine every student in a graduate program uh, at a university has is you know, will will the education that I'm receiving will these will these uh, three stripes that I have on my shoulders after I graduate with my PhD program will there be a job waiting uh, for me at the end of all this and and what kind of career um, might uh, might I be able to have? And I know that uh, as you were wrapping up your dissertation and your uh, graduate work at, at UA, uh, you were also on the job market and you were experiencing uh, that. And and uh, you applied to the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign for their Chancellor's Postdoctoral Fellowship Program. And you received the offer um, and you moved uh, from the desert of uh, southern Arizona, uh, the southwest, uh, to the uh, uh, the cornfields of the Midwest, and 
And so, you know, I, I, I could you talk about that in your experience at the, uh, um, at the University of, of uh, Illinois and how your, your training, your graduate program here at UA helped prepare you for that? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, Cornville, as I, I still affectionately refer Champaign-Urbana. <laughs> um, yeah, so, you know, what I always used to, to say when I was going through the, the program, the PhD program, and it wasn't always to the liking of faculty, I would say it's the journey, not the destination. It's the journey, not the destination. And I still feel that way. And I think that's life really and i've sort of had that philosophy of life that i want to live in the moment be present explore and yeah it's good to plan and, and, and have goals um and i admire people who who set their intentions and, and really you know achieve what they set out to do i'm a little bit more meandering in my approach my approach even though with that said i did you know finish and then it's like getting kicked out of the nest. So there was a little bit of that time period where it was like, whoa, now what? I have to grow up. And, you know, I was a little, I mean, I was a mature student, and, but it still was like, you know, I had already been out in the working world for several years, but I was like, oh, no, I'm getting kicked out of the nest again. Um, so it's, it's a, you know, grad students, really, we're transitory, so it's the nature, really. And, but I, um, was really glad to have the opportunity to do the postdoc at the University of, of Illinois. And at that time period was so helpful for me, um, especially after going through that really rough, rough time period. And I was still in it. I was, I mean, it was complex grief that I was experiencing because my, my parents had passed away so close together. And um, so it really, was so helpful for me to have that time to just to breathe and to gather my thoughts and in you matt you were phenomenal phenomenal and so supportive and such a wonderful mentor and i still so appreciate that because um you were so kind to me and i know i had moments of crying in my office <laughs> And, you know, you just sat with me and you were so supportive. And just what I was just talking about, of like just sitting in your feelings and you allowed me to do that. You held space for that. And, and, and that so was so important to me, but it really helped me to just, you know, again, gather my thoughts and work on my dissertation to uh, work on the manuscript for book publishing and give me opportunity to, to do that. Um, but I will say that it's not easy because you are, you know, going out onto the job market. And as soon as I started uh, the postdoc, because of the cycle of applying to faculty jobs, you have to start right away. So it's a very unsettling time because you don't know where you're going to be in a year or two years. And, um, you know, it's not a, it's not a, um, you know, there's a lot of insecurities in that in that time that I experienced and I know a lot of people go through that same thing and um, you know I was really fortunate that I um, found the uh, position here and I was hired here so I wanted to come back closer to home and uh, to the Northeast and I'm an hour and a half now from Mokosesne and um, 
you know, I, I was, you know, successful on the job search pretty, pretty early. And I just knew that this was an opportunity for me to, to be close to, to home. And, um, and I'm in a big city. It's been quite an adjustment, but I've been here for about 10 years now. <laughs> but, I'm, but I'm across the river from another Mohawk community of Kahumage and Ganasatage, where, um, you know, Oka crisis happened in 1990, is uh, just a little bit north of here. So I'm in my ancestral territory in um, what's called Jokjage, Montreal. Um, so I, I feel fortunate that I, that I landed here. Maybe you could uh, talk a, a little bit more about just this idea of of uh, coming back home, right, or closer to home as a as a uh, as a native scholar. And you had spent, I mean, prior to moving back, I mean, you had spent a number of years out west. You know, you had spent a, a year or so at, at Illinois. I mean, this was a this was a a journey that you have you have taken, and I don't. I don't know if if uh, non-native people realize just how meaningful and powerful that that pool is for native people to return home, right? And and although I I, I always encourage native people to 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 go out to experience you know a different region of the world or or the country to work in other universities. Um, which is what I did. I mean, I spent 13 years at Illinois, but then eventually, you know, eventually I did, I did come back closer to home and, and, um, you know, it, it just wasn't a decision just for me, right? I mean, I was, I brought my family back because I wanted them to be closer to family and to, to, to their aunties and uncles and grandparents and their, and their larger Hopi community that, that exists in the Southwest and not so much in the cornfields of Champaign, Illinois. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I was, my life changed for the better in, in so many different ways when I left my very small, very white town of central New York where I grew up. I mean, I grew up in a very not, there were, I was, to my knowledge, I was the only Native student in my high school, my elementary, my high school. So there was a lot of, a lot of, um, you know, a lot of the identity issues were, were, were um, kind of sparked during those early years of really feeling alone and isolated. And so, but I still had this, you know, strong connection with, with my family in, in Owasasne. But my, you know, as I, as I left there in my young adulthood, my life changed like drastically when I moved to, to Colorado and I was in my early 20s. And the experiences that I had, um, I mean, I also, like I said, I was very adventurous and very independent. I moved across the country by myself. But when I left, I knew that I would be gone for a long time. And I spent the day before I left in the Adirondack Mountains near where I grew up. And, and that's part of our traditional homelands. And so I was always connected to the land. I grew up along the Mohawk River. And... Um, in the Mohawk Valley, you know, all these place names and in our traditional land. So, um, you know, lived in the country when I was a kid. So always had a very strong connection with nature and, and, and um, the land. And not in the way that a, a lot of people have where they are strongly rooted in their 
seasonal cycles, um, ceremonial cycles. And, you know, I didn't necessarily have that, but I was still connected in, in my own way. So when I left, though, my, uh, my eyes were um, open to just the diversity. I mean, I lived in Denver, and it was just um, an explosion, re really, of, of different people, different cultures. And, and, and I was um, involved in, in the Denver Indian Center and, you know, worked in, in, in some of those nonprofit um, Native organizations. And um, I worked for a time. I was spent time on uh, Pine Ridge and South Dakota and um, Navajo Nation was doing field field uh, work and yeah I mean I had some uh, unbelievable amazing experiences and uh, and I just wanted to keep exploring keep exploring and and so you know that's what I what I did but yeah eventually I got homesick living in the desert for nine years of, of living in Tucson and I remember the first time I went to um, Champaign-Urbana um was driving i guess it was indianapolis is that the closest airport yeah driving yeah. either it would have been indianapolis or chicago those are probably the two closest yeah yeah I, mean, I recall driving and the the there was so much green i i just melted and i just cried with gratitude because it i think it was raining it was um um warm weather and this the lush green and, and that was so soothing to my soul right because that's like where my ancestry is rooted in in that kind of environment so um i knew like oh i'm getting closer to home i'm getting closer to home it's like my spirit right yeah and and then yeah it, it is so so in, important and um and i remember having a conversation with someone about wanting to you know find a, a, a job that was closer to, to home and 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 there's not always an understanding of why that's important and um yeah I mean I wanted to be close to what I knew but also closer to my family I, my, I had already lost my parents but even more so I felt I wanted more support from my family and, and community and um yeah, and so here it's oh yeah okay I'm back in the this the really heavy humid summers and the moisture and air, but it's really um, it's familiar. I mean it's it goes deep and my family and I want and I have a son now who's seven and he knows who his family is and and, and I want him to have you know a strong sense of a stronger sense of identity than what what I had really. Um, yeah, so, so I'm, you know, lucky that I'm, because it's difficult, especially in academia, you know, as, as academics in any field and, you know, from any background know that living in a place that you love and ha finding a, a tenure track job in that same place is few and far between. I would, I would um, imagine that these experiences that you had right uh throughout this journey i mean they they informed your your scholarship your writing I, I would imagine it informed your book and the many articles that you have written uh over the years uh, journal articles and book chapters 
these experiences informed your teaching, uh, the stories that you're able to share with your students, right, of, uh, of your days back at the U of A or, or in Denver or wherever, you, wherever you've been. Uh, these are, these are uh, uh, all important, and I, and I think that they make up who we are as Native people, but then uh, who we are as uh, Native scholars. Yeah, yeah, and and I'm a storyteller. I didn't realize I was a storyteller <laughs> until the last few years. Actually, I'm like, well, yeah, I guess I am a storyteller, just like my father was a storyteller. And I realized that with my with my students, is I'm you know I'm always inserting these these stories as as um, uh, moments of you know it, it, trying to find these nuggets that they can relate to. And of course, it, it keeps it real. And I'm always trying to just keep it real with, with students. But um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's what I draw from really in, in my life and, and those kinds of personal experiences as, as well. And another thing that I just wanted to share briefly that has also guided me um, through my life, but it's also guided the decisions that I have made and, and the paths that I have taken. I mean, it really feels, you know, strongly that the spiritual realm, that ancestors are watching over us and the relationship with our ancestors, you know, is really, really important. And I have, ever since I was little, had very vivid um, dreams and experiences that I, that I, that's a compass for me. So I have always followed that and have always looked to that as, as a guidance system. So, um, you know, for example, I uh, had experiences and, and dreams of my father's passing before that happened and um, my graduation before that happened. And, and when I was in Illinois, uh, you had asked me to come and talk to your class about the research that I had started with Carlisle Indian School. And so I was also, so that year of, of the postdoc gave me an opportunity to start that avenue of new research too. And my grandfather, my father's father was sent to Carlisle as was his brother, my grandmother's sister and, and a lot of other family. And I started to immerse myself in that, in that, um, in that research of my trying to find what I could of my family stories. And in preparation for to, for speaking to your class, actually, and it was around that time that I that I had um, before I went to talk to your class that I had a dream, and my grandfather came, and I said, Grandpa, what do you want them to know? And he said to me, tell them we didn't have a choice. Hmm. And so I've published that story. And, and, and that, at the time um, that that happened to me, it was like, okay, I'm on the right track. I have to honor that. I have to follow this. And so, again, that's you know, helped to, to guide me along the way. And that, I think, is, is really important, especially as in, Indigenous people, that there's space for that. There's space to do that. And I didn't always feel comfortable and still sort of, you know, I'm careful of where I 
where I opened that door or, or who I let into that um, space and, you know, the, the, um, how I let that navigate through academia. But I think we, you know, especially, you know, students who, you know, come from strong cultural backgrounds, ceremony or, or spirituality, religion, whatever it is, whatever beliefs, values that they hold, there's, there's, um, it can be challenging to stick to, to have the integrity and stick to your value system. But there's space, and that's, I think, where it comes in with this idea of, of um, decolonialism in, in Indigenous studies, is making, making space for our own ways of knowing, Indigenous ways of knowing. And, um, and it, can be, it, it can be difficult, it can be challenging, because we're trying to do that in a Western institution that's not set up for that. And, um, but I've become more comfortable in inserting that in my work and in my writing and more open to talking about things like that. And so with my students too, you know, sharing that story with them and other sharing, sharing other experiences that I've had that helped to, to guide me through my work and through my life, really. And I, and I, re and I remember, and I remember that, uh, the, the lecture that you gave uh, to my class, I think I was, I was teaching, uh, it was either an American Indians AIS 101 intro or the large uh, lecture native history course. And, and uh, just being fascinated by this uh, PowerPoint presentation that you did. And, and then I also remember after that uh, um, presentation, I think we, we had lunch uh, in one of the ca local cafeterias and we just talked, I mean, talked about that. And, and I was just so excited of the, the, the kind of work and this, this personal connection that you had to Carlisle um, and these stories. I mean, you talk about being a storyteller, right? Uh, these stories that you are bringing back to life um, uh, in, a, in a way and, and and I just remember thinking, wow, there's a there's a book there, right? There's 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 articles there, and and I was so thrilled to see that you eventually uh, went on and and published uh, published about that. Yeah, yeah, I remember that conversation too. And um, and again, you know, we, you really helped to support me and mentor me through through that, and and I'm really grateful for that. Um, yeah, and and I just. Um, you know, it was sort of shifting into another avenue of, of research as well, because I was um, still working on um, publishing my dissertation as a book, but also looking at um, furthering research in a slightly different direction. So I had focused on really contemporary indigenous holistic education, and then sort of shifted into the historical um, historical pieces of, of Indian residential and boarding, boarding schools. And um, yeah, I mean, it's been, so since then, that's been the, the focus of my, of my research, really, has been around Carlisle and has also since expanded into the Lincoln Institution, which was another Indian residential boarding school in Philadelphia um, that was, you know, affiliated somewhat with, with Carlisle. So I've, I've um, last summer was uh, a pretty, intense time of being in the field doing some archival research but I really um, you know when I did my dissertation I was interviewing I was doing qualitative research I was interviewing parents and teachers and I love that so much but now it's archives 
And I never thought of myself as a historian. I never thought I would like being in the archive. <laughs> Coming over to it. the dark side. <laughs> I love it so much. It is like going on a treasure hunt. I love it so much. So I've been doing that now for several years with the Carlisle research and, you know, just finding this nugget and, you know, you're sometimes just going on a wild goose chase, but you know, I've really spent a lot of time in Carlisle because, and now I can because I'm fairly close and uh, I, I spent uh, pretty much every summer except this summer um, for the last five years. I've, I've spent every a couple of weeks every summer, at least in the field, um, and visiting people like Barb Landis at the Cumberland County Historical Society, which is located in, in Carlisle, and, um, you know, learning from, from her and, and other scholars, and, you know, being part of that community, and being part of the Carlisle Journeys Biannual Symposium, being on the, you know, been on the conference planning committee for that um, a few times, and, um, yeah, so again, it's like, I, I really find it to be a little bit, in some ways, easier to just surrender to this guidance system, because I know it's, it's, it doesn't lead me astray, you know, it's, it, because it feels right, and it feels like that's where I can tell, you know, those stories. Great. Well, Llewellyn, I, I uh, want to thank you for the, the opportunity to be able to have this, have this conversation. Uh, it's, it's, been, it's been wonderful, and I, and I know those who are listening or, or watching this online uh, will appreciate it as well. And, you know, it's, um, it's wonderful just to see uh, you in your career as you left the, the U of A and, and uh, get a tenure-track faculty position uh, there at, at your current institution. And then to see, you know, at, at Concordia, uh, not only getting the tenure track, but then also getting tenure and promotion to associate professor. I mean, that's a, that's a big deal. I know for you and, and for scholars in general, but that's a really big deal for our department uh, to be able to see our, our alum succeed and contribute um, not only to the academy, but also to native communities in the way that you've, you've done. So a big thanks. Uh, thank you to you. And of course, I, I wish you and your, your family uh, the very best. Thank you, Matt. It's been really fun. And I'm so glad to have connected with you again after all this time. So, yeah. We right, thank not you. wait so long next time. That's right. We won't wait five, six, seven years, however long it's been. All yeah, right. We didn't get a chance to talk about cats. So I know. We, I know. There's, there's a lot more. We, we need to get together <laughs> again and have, talk more stories. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Thank you again. Thank you, Matt. Okay. Onagawahi. Pourquoi?